Today's going to be the last sermon in the Sermon on the Mount series that we've been doing. And so, um, in faith, I'm going to I'm going to combine two sermons into one in such a condensed fashion that I'm going to finish early. And, and uh, so, you know. Uh, I know, miracles still happen. Usually when I say that, it doesn't turn out that way, but that's my intention. And the reason it's my intention is because I want to be the first one out the back door of the sanctuary today, and I'm going to go to my office and leave the door open. And, and I want each and every one of you, as, as couples or families or individuals, to take just a moment to come in my office and let me be thankful for you one-on-one. I don't get the opportunity to do that very often, so please don't leave here today without um, stopping in my office for a moment. So today's sermon was originally entitled Ask, Seek, and Knock. We were going to go through Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11, and we are going to do that. We're going to complete the chapter in the sermon series today. And uh, that's due to the fact that Lucy and I took a weekend off this fall that I hadn't planned on when... Uh, I mapped out the sermon series, and next week starts Advent already, and so I don't want to miss a, a week of Advent sermon to finish the series next week. So we're completing our journey through the Sermon on the Mount today, the greatest sermon ever preached, given to us by none other than Jesus Christ. To persist is defined as to continue steadfastly in some purpose or course of action especially in spite of opposition. And in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus calls us to persist in in two ways at least, to persist in prayer and to persist in obedience. The blessings for those who pray are amazing. We we talked today during our prayer time about the amazing, phenomenal um, consequences, answers of prayer that have eternal consequences and um, the blessings for those who obey are also eternal never ending blessing for those who obey Matthew chapter 7 verses 7 through 11 ask and it will be given to you seek and you will find knock and the door will be opened to you for everyone who asks and receives the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be open. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in Heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? How much more? And, and so I, I, need to, I need to stop right here and, and uh, have a little moment of personal confession. Um, if my son asked me for a fish, I might give him a snake, you know, as a joke, and then give him the fish after that. But I might I might go there. Um, so I just have to confess to that. Ask, seek, knock. So these verses 7 through 11 begin and end. They're bookended with an invitation by Jesus to ask, to seek, to knock. And the generosity of God's of God is Jesus' promise to those who do. What an amazing promise we have here. 
The tense of the verbs here in, in an ask, seek, and knock, it means to persist, to persist, to continually be asking, to continually be seeking, to continually be knocking. God is not just wanting, is not just waiting for someone to ask and seek and knock. It's not just someone he's waiting on to do that. He's, he's waiting for you to ask and for you to see and for you to knock and to, and to be in that frame of mind before him in prayer continually. I, I hope that each one of us receive the generosity of God today because his generosity in this passage is just phenomenal. Verse 8 is for you. You hear me? I want to look at each one of you, and I want you to know, verse 8 is for you, for everyone. That includes you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be open. Wouldn't you like to engage in some activity in life that you are guaranteed success? Wouldn't that be a good day? Well, ask and seek and knock continually, because everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be open. That's God's expansive promise to us in uh, inviting us to be people of prayer and people who are following Jesus and seeking his will and his way. And Jesus doesn't just call us to this in this passage. Jesus demonstrates persistence to us. He went all the way to the cross. And Jesus demonstrates persistence to us in Revelation chapter 3 verse 20 where Jesus says to the church, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone, that includes you, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. So not only does Jesus call us to ask, seek, and knock. Jesus is persisting, continually knocking at our door. And he proclaims that to the church here in Scripture. Where is Jesus? Well, he's in heaven at the right hand of the Father now, but spiritually, where is he at? He's knocking at our door. He persists in that. He's continually, here I am. What's he doing? I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. So God is not only waiting for you to reach out to him, he is actively, continually reaching out to us, reaching out to you. And then the verbs in verse 8 are in, are in that same verb tense as they were in verse 7. Um, continually receiving. Continually finding continually opening. So, we serve a generous God with unlimited power and unlimited love. His goodness always flows into the lives of those who ask and seek and knock. Always. Jesus confirms that he is a giver of good gifts by reminding us that we also take care of our children. We would not deliberately harm our children. And there, there are uh, exceptions to that fact. You know, there, there are some parents that um, they're so 
damage, that they do things that are harmful to their children. And we're just shocked by it. It's, it's front page news. It's headline news when something like that happens because it's so shocking and so unacceptable. So by and large, we would not deliberately harm our children. And we're reminded here in, in very straightforward language by Jesus that we're sinners. And we wouldn't harm our children. So if we wouldn't harm our children and we're sinners, then how much more will a holy, perfect, almighty God who is who is complete and unparalleled in love and salvation, how much more than what we do would he give good gifts to his children? So, and, you know, let's just concentrate here for a second on being reminded that we're sinners. If we are saved, it is by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ, our Savior, and what he has done on our behalf. And so this passage reminds us of that fact. Let us never be proud. Let us never decide that we belong here in this church with our titles and our positions. We, we receive whatever it is we receive from God by faith in Jesus Christ because he is not a sinner. If sinners know how to give good gifts to their children, just imagine how the gifts that are from our holy God will be when we go to Him. Wow, what an amazing, expansive promise from a God who loves us and is for us and saves us. And then Matthew chapter 7, verse 12 is, is that passage that's oftentimes called the golden rule. And here it is, Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. So in everything, in some things, once in a while, when you feel like it, when you've decided you like them, no. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. I love clear, simple, like one-sentence one statements that I can memorize wrap my arm around. Have you ever wondered how to make heads or tails out of some passage of the Old Testament? It's so different culturally and so different historically. Like, what in the world is that about? I mean, there are passages in the Old Testament that are like that, that we struggle to wrap our mind around. What is it that we're supposed to take from this that we apply to our lives today? What does this mean? What am I supposed to do with this, right? There's some passages like that one right here in Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. Jesus gives us a one-sentence summary of everything God was about in the Old Testament. Here's our takeaway. This is what we do in everything. Do to others what you would have them do to you. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, my gosh. I can, I can understand the whole new, the Old Testament now. And I can apply it to my life in everything. Do to others what I would want them to do to me. I can do that. I can understand that. I can apply it to my life. And, and that sums up, Jesus says, the entire law and the prophets, which is his way of saying what we would call today the Old Testament. So all of it, even those passages that are like, what in the world is that about? And how does that apply to today and to my life and to this church? What am I supposed to do with that? Even those passages, 
is summed up by Jesus in everything. Do to others what you would have them do to you. Thank you, Jesus, because that's a gift. And that I can I can live out. That I, that instruction I can follow. And so thank you, Jesus, for a one-sentence summary of the Old Testament. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, he didn't come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. And so, how do we fulfill it as a follower of Jesus who came to fulfill the law and prophets? In everything. Do to others what you would have them do to you. Wow. Um, Jesus stated that he had come to fulfill the law and the prophets, and this is his summary statement. This we can understand. This we can do. Thank you, Jesus. So, Jesus goes on in the next couple verses to address two ways of approaching life. There's obedience or there's disobedience. And we want to make up a thousand shades of gray between black and white, but there are two paths. There's obedience or there's disobedience. And, and the rest of Jesus' words in the Sermon on the Mount reflect on this. Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Here's the summary statement for all that Jesus teaches us from here to the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Obeying Christ's word and following his example is not optional for entry into the kingdom of God. Faith is demonstrated in obedience. Jesus draws on the imagery of the gates into a city. Cities were, were typically fortified back then with walls, and there were gates to control the points of access into and out of the city. The world, in, and today we want easy access, and, and so that's what we lean towards, that's what we desire. It ought to be easy to get there, it ought to be easy to go into there, whether it's online, whether it's in our lives, and it ought to be easy to access. The world in Jesus' day was far more concerned with security than with easy access. And gates were made deliberately narrow, so you couldn't run a, a team of five horses with soldiers on them through the gate at once. Uh, the, the gates in many cities were narrow and short, so you couldn't bring a Trojan horse into a city. You couldn't bring a camel loaded with weapons so that the camel could come in and then the men could walk in behind them and then you take the cover off and, and uh, there's 50 guys with, with spears and, and swords now, right? The, the gates were not only narrow, so like one camel could fit through the time, but they were short, so the camel had to be unloaded. And the load could be seen as the, the men transported it through the gate and to then put it back on the camel. Um, security was very important. They were more concerned with security than easy access. Gates were deliberately narrow so that entry into the city could be allowed in a way that protected the security of the city. Heaven is a place of absolute perfection of, of worship and, and nothing but holiness and love and salvation of God and God protects his kingdom. 
obedience to Jesus is a narrow way. He leads and we follow and there is no exception and there is no alternative. If we choose to be in the kingdom of God, Jesus leads and we follow. And because Jesus leads and we follow, our faith then will be demonstrated in obedience. There are endless other options. So the road that leads to destruction is wide. And it's easy to go there. There's a, a bazillion temptations. There's all kinds of other options. Disobedience to Jesus, or we may call that sin, is easily accessible. Jesus here invites us to choose him, to choose obedience to him. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Now, how does Jesus say we shall know the true prophets? By their fruit. Matthew chapter 7, verses 15 through 23. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, Every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will plainly tell them, I never knew away from me, you evildoers. Jesus continues here to emphasize the necessity and the importance of obedience. Appearances can be deceiving. People can look really good on Sunday morning. They can, they can participate in ministry. They can say all the right things, have all the right facial expressions, and have all their, their uh, phrases down and not be living for Jesus. People can get on TV as a preacher. People can participate in ministry on the local level. People can be so well thought of, but they're not following Jesus in the thing that continues to destroy their lives. And so they'd rather destroy the lives of others than, than bring their greatest need to Jesus and let him heal them through calling them to follow in obedience. It's a tragic thing. People, uh, appearances can be deceiving. Character is revealed fruit of a person's life. We can put on quite a show for other people and not obey God. And we can get away with it for a long, long time. But do our lives demonstrate obedience? So, there's some pretty major things that Jesus described here that people did that are going to say to him, Lord, Lord, he's going to say, depart from me, I never knew you. A person 
and say, Lord, Lord, but do they do the will of the Father in heaven? Jesus is really driving this home here in his final words in the Sermon on the Mount. This is what Jesus is wrapping up in the prayer. The evidence of faith is obedience to God. In the final words of Jesus, the house on the rock. Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Do we know how important the foundation of a house is or any kind of building? You've got to have the foundation right for the building to stand. Verse 25, the rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Jesus begins his final summation here with the word, therefore. So I encourage you every time this comes up, Whenever you're reading scripture and you see the, the word therefore, you need to ask, what is that therefore? It's drawing a conclusion on something that's been said or done previous to that statement. So, Jesus begins with the word therefore. Every person, each one of us, is building a house with our life. Now, wisdom has been described as understanding what to do with knowledge, applying it well. Life is challenging, and the challenges of life are symbolized here by Jesus as rain and floods and violent winds. The wise person builds their house on the rock, and that is on the obedience that flows from faith in Jesus Christ and his amazing blessings into their life. Yes, there are storms. Yes, there are days and seasons, months and even years where things continue to happen that we never would have asked for. But when Jesus is your foundation, you will be able to stand your life, your faith, your eternity intact. In the final words of Matthew chapter 7, the final words of the Sermon on the Mount is Matthew's description of the reaction of those who first heard Jesus preach this amazing Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 7, verses 28-29. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as the one who had authority and not as the teachers of the law. In Jesus' day, and, and you'll see this in theological writings today, and, and it's not automatically a bad thing, 
but we should get back to referring to God and having the words of Jesus Christ recorded for us in Holy Scripture. It's easy for us to do that. But in Jesus' day, um, everybody that had been writing for hundreds of years would refer to previous rabbis. Rabbis would write theological writings and refer to previous rabbis who had written theological writing, who were referring to previous rabbis who had written theological writing. And then, and then Jesus comes along and needs to make the point that I didn't come to destroy the law but to fulfill it because he spoke differently than them and he spoke with such authority and he was able to do that because he is God the Son. And so God literally went up on the mountainside to preach to them that day. So yeah, when you're used to hearing teaching from a man who's referring to a man who referred to a man about the understanding of God and faith and faithful living, and then God himself in human flesh, Jesus Christ stands in front of you and teaches, there is an authority there that you have never witnessed before. And so, yes, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. And so, how about we be amazed today? And maybe you want or you need to go back and read these three chapters of Matthew, chapters 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount, again, a time to do. We should be amazed at his teaching. He taught as one who had authority, because he does have authority. Because he came from the throne in heaven and he returned there. So he spoke with ultimate authority. And we have his words recorded here. Let us read the words of ultimate authority spoken to us by Jesus Christ. And the thing that he wraps up his sermon with is this call to obedience. And this promise again that God gives good gifts to his children. We can afford to obey him in every aspect of our life because he's God and he's good and he loves and he saves. So I want to close with a short prayer and then some final instructions. Heavenly Father, may we be amazed at the words of your son Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus. May we be amazed at your faithfulness. May we be empowered by your persistence. May we know that you stand at the door of our hearts and knock, and that you persist in that. So we're called to persist in prayer to you, and every time we do, every time we open the door, you're in, because that's what you do. And so we bask in your faithfulness and rejoice in your love salvation. In Jesus' name. Amen. So, we took our time on a couple things in the service. I don't know that we're